Welcome back to another episode of Bulletproof Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Drew Ozenchuk. You can follow me on Twitter at DFBeanCounter. So I want to talk about Super Sophomores today. There's uh, one player that's kind of going going under the radar. He's getting lost in the shuffle of these Super Sophomores. His name's T. Higgins. Higgins had a fantastic prospect profile. He had a fantastic rookie year. And he has a fantastic future. So let's dive in. Let's start from the start. Let's put him through the process and see how he looks. We're going to take the easy way out. We're going to do the easy ones first. So was he an early declare? Yep. Uh, 21-year-old rookie? You betcha. Alpha profile? Absolutely. T. Higgins is 6'4", 216 pounds. His BMI is 26.6, which isn't quite like bowl of oatmeal thick, but it's plenty thick enough. His... um, College Dominator, according to playerprofiler.com, is 29.7, which is 49th percentile. That's that's pretty like, meh. And then his college yards per reception is 19.8. That's 93rd percentile. That tells us he's making plays down the field at the very least. It doesn't really tell us if he's any good or not, but it tells us, you know, the type of role that he's playing. His college target share was only 16.7%. That is 23rd percentile. That's really not what we're looking for. And then his breakout age is 18.6. That's a 96th percentile breakout age. Uh, That is phenomenal. So let's go back a little bit further even. As a high school prospect, 247 Sports had him as a five-star recruit. Uh, He was the second best recruit at wide receiver in the nation in his uh, recruiting year. He's a serial winner. He went from five-star recruit, second best recruit in the nation, to age 18 breakout at Clemson. Serial winner. So let's go back to the, a couple of those metrics that uh, that we talked about with the player profiler in College Dominator and Target Share. Back in February, on February 29th, 2020, a guy named Cooper sent me a message on Twitter. His name is at Cooper underscore DFF, and he is fantastic. He's actually one of my patrons, and I had no idea he was when he was messaging me this stuff. Uh, the dude's amazing, and uh, you should follow him. Anyways, here's what he said, at DF Bean Counter. You'll be interested in this one. Follow up on a discussion we had on T earlier this offseason. Here's what he said. Another interesting one. Clemson threw the ball 238 times in games they won by 15 plus points. So in blowouts, they threw it 260 to- 267 times in games they lost or won by f- less than 15% or 15 points. So in close games. So they had roughly the same amount of pass attempts in, uh, in close games and in blowouts. T Higgins dominator in 15 plus point wins was 19.6%. That's very, very bad. So that's in blowouts. He was rarely used when they were just dominating. His dominator in all other games, so in every game that's close, was 41.2%. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. There's a whole bunch of exclamations, and rightfully so. This shows us that when T. Higgins wasn't needed, they let the other guys play. When T. Higgins was needed, they needed to win the game. T. Higgins was the focal point of the offense. That's what we're looking for. We want guys that are the focal point of the offense. But this wasn't enough for me because I I am uh, pessimistic. So like, okay, Coop, great. He he was, his was skewed. What about everyone else? Surely he wasn't the only one. Coop's reply was, I don't actually have it in front of me. Something along the lines of, nope, he was the only one. That's amazing. He's the only one that had this phenomenon. And here's the, um, here's where it gets really amazing. Despite this, T. Higgins checked every single box that I'm looking for him to check. I didn't have to adjust anything, but if I needed to, it would have been there. It's amazing that he was able to dominate to a level that he did, despite really only being involved in half the games. So how did he stack up? I use market share receiving yards. That's literally just 
market share or just receiving yards divided by team receiving yards. So at 18, he didn't hit the threshold, 10.46%. At 19, he hit it. At 20, he hit it. 22%, 27%. Dude's a stud. He was a focal point of the offense despite barely playing in games they didn't need him. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, by the way, you got a, we got a YouTube channel. It's basically the podcast, but with all the visuals that go along with it. So you can like see these graphs, see these charts. So T Higgins, we have the, uh, the chart from Dynasty League Football that shows market share. It's created by the great Peter Howard and Zeno is my name on Twitter. So if you're on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. If you're not, you'll have to deal with just me saying the numbers. <laughs> and then we got yards per team pass attempt. This is receiving yards divided by team pass attempts. Straightforward calculation at age 18, 74 or 0.74. He didn't hit the threshold. 19, 1.8, 22.37. He hit the threshold both times. No adjustments needed. Amazing. And again, we got another chart. This is from uh, Zeno's My Name's website, and it shows yards per team pass attempt. T. Higgins is right on their regression line pretty much across the board, which is pretty, pretty wild. The other thing I like to look at, this doesn't change any grades. This is just context. I like to know that these players are playing with NFL players. I want to see them be better than other NFL players. So at age 18, T. Higgins, this is all from uh, Pro Football Reference, by the way. T. Higgins was fourth on the team in receiving. Uh, Deion Kane, who was an undrafted free agent, but he played some games in the NFL. Hunter Renfro, who uh, kind of shot to prominence last, or in uh, 2019 with the Oakland Raiders. Not a very good player, but he was an NFL player at the very least. Uh, we're both ahead of him. And then in 20, or in T. Higgins' age 19 season, him and Justin Ross went toe-to-toe. Justin Ross was a freshman. Justin Ross is a phenomenal prospect. Like, phenomenal. If, you have, if you're in a Debbie League, you need to go get Justin Ross. He has a congenital neck injury that kept him out of the season last year. But if that's healed and he's back to what he was, this is not a football injury. This was like just something that he had. If he's back to what he was, you need Justin Ross on your squad in, De- in Debbie. Go get him right now. He's going to be cheap because everyone's afraid of this. And it's worth, the juice is worth the squeeze. If, if he's fine, he's going to be a stud. Anyway, he actually outproduced T. Higgins. Uh, at 18 when Higgins was 19. That's amazing to see. And then and, and then Amari Rogers was like, you know, he had half of Ro- Ross's and Higgins' production. Amari Rogers is a guy that just like flashed the Senior Bowl this year. He's flying up uh, the draft boards. He's not a guy I'm interested in, but uh, a lot of film guys like him. And then in T. Higgins' junior year, his age 20 season, T. Higgins reasserted himself as the alpha on the team. He put up 1167 yards, 1,167 yards. Justin Ross only had 865, and Amari Rogers was well behind with only 426. He did like a third of T. Higgins' production. That is amazing. So T. Higgins, definite alpha. Beating out or producing with high caliber prospects and beating out NFL players. All of this culminates into a bulletproof grade from yours truly. I gave him a bulletproof grade. He ended up as my wide receiver two in the 2020 class. In May of 2020, immediately after the draft, he shot up to my wide receiver two. I loved T. Higgins. The prospect of him and Joe Burrow making magic together for the next decade is just too much. I, I can't handle it. So anyway, let's carry on. Then he gets to the NFL. And he pretty much immediately pushes aside a future Hall of Famer, AJ Green, and perennially underrated slot man Tyler Boyd Higgins actually led the team in receiving as a rookie with 908 receiving yards 24% of the team's receiving yards here's where it gets kind of awesome (laughs) Joe Burrow averaged 268.8 yards per game Brad Joe Burrow got hurt in the 10th game Brandon Allen came in and he averaged 185 yards per game that's an 85 yards per game loss 
That's over the final six games. That's 504 missing yards. 504 times 24% is 120 more receiving yards for T. Higgins if him and Burrow kept up the same pace. That would push Higgins over 1,000 yards as a rookie. That's amazing. That's that's a phenomenal sign. And this isn't like a tangent here for a second. I've been very, very vocal about how ridiculous it is that people are taking the CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper extrapolation with Dak and without Dak. Dak Prescott played four games. Joe Burrow played 10 games. We have a much, much higher comfort level in a 10-game projection than a four-game, or in projecting a 10-game sample than a four-game sample. The other interesting thing about this is that Dak Prescott had 44.4 pass attempts per game in those four games. He was on pace for 710 pass attempts. That would have shattered the NFL record. You cannot extrapolate a shattered the NFL record small sample. That's absurd. He also averaged... 371.2 passing yards in those games, which again, if you extrapolate is just shy of 6,000 passing yards, shattering NFL records. You cannot extrapolate these absurd small samples into shattering NFL record amounts. Would Dak Prescott have been better than Andy Dalton? Oh, most definitely. But you can't just look at what they did in those four games and say it's going to continue. With Joe Burrow, it's a completely different situation. Joe Burrow would have been on pace for 4,300 passing yards. That isn't unreasonable. In fact, prior to the season, that's almost exactly what I had projected for him. Back in August, I had tweeted, quote, I've got Burrow down for literally the best rookie season since Y2K, unquote. That projection was 4,379.1 passing yards. There's an image to go along with that tweet. That's what I had him projected for. That's what he was on pace for. I don't think it's unreasonable for us to suggest that he may have kept up that pace. He was already doing what we expected him to do. So let's go back to T. Higgins. In his rookie year, he was able to muster 13.0 points per game, which was wide receiver 36 in 2020. His PFF grade was very, very good. He was third in the class, which doesn't sound all that impressive, but the class was amazing. He was in the 96th percentile among all rookie wide receivers dating back to PFF's inception. (laughs) Like, wow, right? So those are key key inputs when I'm doing my sophomore comps. The other inputs are his prospect grade, which was bulletproof, and his ADP trends. I, I match the ADP trends. If, you, if you're not familiar with ADP trends, I did a whole episode on it with uh, Denzel Mims last week. Go back and check it out. Basically, if a guy gains value year over year after the rookie year, that's a good sign. If they lose value, that's a really, 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 really bad sign. So T. Higgins gained value, obviously. So here's his comp list. This is where this is why this is why I am uh, very bullish on T. Higgins. Here's the comps: A.J. Green, Keenan Allen, Dwayne Bow, Jarvis Landry, Hakeem Nix, Cooper Cup, Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins. That's everyone on the list. Three of those guys had top five seasons. Everyone on that list had a top 12 season. Everyone on that list obviously had a top 24 season. They all had multiple top 24 seasons. T. Higgins is going to hit. He's going to hit hard and he's going to hit multiple times. So what should you do with T. Higgins? What should you do with T. Higgins? I currently have him ranked seven spots over DLF ADP, Dynasty League Football ADP. He is my wide receiver six in my Dynasty rankings right now. I do Dynasty rankings on Patreon. Go to patreon.com backslash DF counter to access them. T. Higgins is ranked very, very high. He is a perennial wide receiver one candidate. I cannot be more clear about this. He is going to be a wide receiver one several times. 
And it's going to start in 2021. You don't have to wait three years. He's going to hit it in 2021. He's going to hit it in 2022. He's going to hit it in 2023. He's going to hit it for the rest of his career. The only thing that's going to keep him out of wide receiver one production is an injury to himself or an injury to Joe Burrow. Those are the only things that can hold him back. So what should we do it? You should be moving mountains to get him on your squad in Dynasty, Redraft, DFS, Prediction Strike, any other way that you can make money on betting on T. Higgins, you should do it. He is a serial winner and he will take you to the promised land. So if you want to turn your Dynasty team into a serial winner, you need to be finding those undervalued guys. The guy, the best way to find those guys in fantasy football are to look for guys that have great underlying numbers without the production that normally goes with it. The guy that I have in mind right now is Curtis Samuel, wide receiver, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. He's a free agent right now. Samuel's points per game finished through four years in the NFL are 118, 48, 48, and 27. This isn't exciting. And what you might be thinking is, this is hardly consistent excellence, and I completely agree. This is not consistent excellence. The Curtis Samuel story is one that is fraught with peril in terms of actual fantasy points, but it's filled to the brim when it comes to optimism based on underlying numbers. When you dig in deeper than raw fantasy points and yards and touchdowns, and you look at what he was able to do, that's where this gets exciting. So as a prospect, Samuel came out in uh, 2017. He was drafted with the eighth pick in the second round by the Panthers. He's 5'11", 196 pounds. He runs a 4'3", 140-yard dash, which is crazy fast. It doesn't matter. Like, 40-yard dash doesn't matter in this instance. But if given the choice, if I have to pick between a fast player and a slow player, I'll probably pick this fast player if they're, you know, all else being equal. A lot of people don't realize this, but Samuel actually destroyed my production thresholds at age 19, and he did it at Ohio State. I have been told on repeat for the past several years that it is impossible to break out early at Ohio State. Curtis Samuel made miracles happen. (laughs) He did it. So then he got to the NFL. He missed most of his rookie season due to injury. And he's never really put it all together. I think he played nine games as a rookie and, I don't know, 130 yards or something like that. Like he, he he was an invisible rookie. He's a face planner for sure. But he's coming off his best season as a pro. He put up 851 receiving yards, sharing the field with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. What has me believing that Samuel is one of the top bets to have one of those late career breakouts and get you some dynasty value and some cheap dynasty production are the underlying metrics I was mentioning before. Let's Let's talk about a little bit of it. In 2019, he was absolutely betrayed by his situation. He was number 11 in total target distance with 1,542 targeted yards. But in that season, Samuel only had 627 receiving yards. Some might point to that and say, he's not really good at catching footballs. And that would be inaccurate. Not unlike his quarterback, Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen was objectively awful in 2019. He had seven money throws the entire year, number 28 in the NFL. 34 interceptable passes, number three, and 46 danger plays, number four. He was terrible. He was throwing bad throws on a routine basis. And then when it comes to like efficiency metrics, Kyle Allen was near league worst in pretty much every single efficiency metric available. And he did it while throwing to guys like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey. Kyle Allen's true passer rating, according to playerprofiler.com, was 70.2, number 33 in the NFL. His true completion percentage percentage 67.5, number 26 in the NFL. 
His adjusted yards per attempt was comically low with 5.5, number 31 in the NFL, and his accuracy rating was 6.8, number 30 in the NFL. He was one of the worst starting quarterbacks maybe ever. Like, his metrics were awful. So what does this mean for Curtis Samuel? More of these underlying numbers. He was betrayed by situation. He was fine. When we look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, Matt Harmon grades every route for all the fantasy relevant wide receivers uh, as a pass fail. And when you look at his success by route, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll you'll see this. If you're not following on YouTube, make sure you go and subscribe because all of the numbers that I'm talking about in the podcast, they're all on YouTube. You can see them. There's graphics to go with the with the words. So anyway, Curtis Samuel, he ran or sorry, he in the 11 routes, he was exceptional at 9 of them. He was mediocre at one and he was bad at one in 2019 while playing with Kyle Allen with like the worst quarterback play you could imagine. In 2018, it was more of the same. He was phenomenal across the board. Out of the 11 routes, nine of them were fantastic. Two of them were mediocre. None of them were bad. He can do everything on a football field. He wins at every level and there's nothing he can't do. So in 2020, he ended up with 14.1% fantasy points per game that was good for wide receiver 27 that's a wide receiver three in fantasy he was also the wide receiver three on the carolina panthers there is room to grow here he's 24 years old he's coming off a wide receiver three season he's a free agent should be in demand in that second tier of free agent wide receivers and he's currently going at wide receiver 50 according to dlf adp I don't think there's any way he doesn't outproduce that in seasonal leagues, and he is worth a heck of a lot more than wide receiver 50. So look for him to land in a new spot. I don't think there's really any limitation to where he can land. He, As Matt Harmon has illustrated, he he can play any, any position anywhere on the field. So anyone that's looking for a wide receiver, whether it's a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two for their offense, is a landing spot that I'm interested in. Couple more, a couple of the more prominent ones are like the New York Jets, uh, where you know they have Denzel Mims, a face planner, so probably not very good. They have, uh, we have Oakland Raiders, which you know drafted Henry Ruggs, which is a face planner. They drafted Brian Edwards, another face planner. And they have Nelson Aguilar, playing a prominent role that just seems suboptimal so the Raiders would be a good spot Washington football team they are screaming for depth like they have Terry McLaurin who's very very good and then they have a bunch of guys that probably can't even play Div 1 in college like their their uh, depth chart is hilariously bad but I think my favorite landing spot for him might be in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers if you can get him into that Randall Cobb uh, role maybe a little bit expanded from what Randall Cobb could do it could be pretty 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 good for fantasy if that's where he winds up it's gonna be time to unleash him so a guy that you need to unleash from your dynasty team like just literally open the gate and let him roam out to pasture is raheem the dream most (laughs) i'm just i'm in a perpetual state of confusion when it comes to his value in dynasty leagues and his adp and redraft leagues Raheem the Dream is already 29 years old. He's a 29-year-old running back. 29 years old. It's crazy. He's topped out at 137 rush attempts in a single season in the NFL. 137 attempts in an entire season. That's his best to date. He had an 11th percentile college dominator as a prospect. He did nothing in college. He's done virtually nothing in the NFL. He's never been good enough to get a substantial chunk of his team's offense at any level, or he's never been healthy enough. To be honest, I'm not really sure because I've never really cared about Raheem the Dream. The best season in his entire career is 772 rush yards. That's his career best. Last year, in 2020, 
Him and Jeff Wilson led the 49ers in rush yards. Wilson had 600. Raheem had 521. The like, there's they're replaceable. There's not one guy that's better than the other. They're basically the same. This is a backfield that is notorious for running backs don't matter. Like dating back years and years and years, they just don't matter. And this is a backfield that is a prime landing spot, a likely landing spot for virtually any free agent, and also. For running back in the draft, the 49ers have to be thinking about addressing the running back position. So his current ADP at DLF football at 29 years old as a running back, need I remind you, is 91. In terms of running backs, he's the RB29 off the board. He's actually going ahead of Curtis Samuel in startup drafts right now. So Dynasty League Football has some, some pretty fantastic tools on their website. One of them is their trade analyzer. So you put in Raheem Moster. And you and then you figure out what he's worth in draft picks. He's worth the 208 in Superflex leagues, according to the Dynasty League Football Trade Analyzer. I'd take the 208. If you gave me the 208 and told me I had to make my pick by throwing a dart at a dartboard, I'd still take it. I don't care who I get at 208. I'd rather have him than Raheem Mostert. And I'm going to pick a better player than a dartboard. So... There's also that to keep in mind. <laughs> they have another tool that's really, really handy. It is a... Um, it's called the trade finder. So you can plug in the player that you're that you're thinking about trading for or trading away and you can see what they've been traded for recently. So these are real trades and real dynasty leagues, real money leagues. The most recent trade that's like straightforward and easy to follow, Raheem Mostert in a third round pick for T Higgins. That actually happened. That actually happened. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get T. Higgins for Raheem Mostert in a third round pick, but you can get something. You can definitely get something. If someone's giving up T. Higgins, someone else is giving up a far worse player that's still better than Raheem Mostert. Another one is Raheem Mostert for a 2023 second round pick. I'd take that too. That'd be fine with me. I take a 2023 second. I take a 2022 second. I take any 2021 second. I would take any second round pick. And another one to keep in mind is Curtis Samuel for Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert are only there because they're, they might score fantasy points for half a season, maybe even a season. There's a chance. It's pretty unlikely, but there's a chance. They're more likely going to either cannibalize each other, get completely wiped out by a free agent or a rookie, or just both be terrible and someone that we've never even heard of will crop up just like these two did. That's what to expect for the 49ers backfield. If you have Raheem Mustaire, you don't want him. Get him off your roster prior to the NFL draft. Let him out to pasture. 